Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking the Cats. It's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation. You can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, which is brought to you by La Rosa's Pizza, we are going to just do like potpourri topics because a lot of stuff happened today um, and a few things that we didn't get to last night. And Kyle and I have a disagreement on jelly, which we might wrap up part of the podcast with. Also, we're going to get a little bit more NFL draft talk, so stay tuned for that. Um, Kyle, I guess what I want to start with tonight is the SEC race. You have called it for the number one seed. You were just giving it to LSU, completely disregarding Vandy, and then potentially beating LSU. You say uh, LSU has claimed the title. Yes, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt is 0-17 in the league. I think they've lost like 19 in a row or something like that overall. Um, they're really bad. So, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a problem dismissing Vanderbilt out of hand. Now they've you know played a few teams competitively, but, um, but I said I said they're 0-17. Uh, they're not technically because as we record, there's three minutes to go, but they're down by 33 to Arkansas. Vanderbilt has mailed it in. Yeah, and LSU won tonight against Florida, and it was on another nail-biting fashion. A couple questionable calls late, and LSU, I don't recall a team that has been much more lucky than them. It's been pretty phenomenal uh, what they've been able to accomplish. Obviously, you give them credit for winning those games, but the, the comeback against Missouri, the... I think we can all agree a call that was missed that the Kentucky game should have went to overtime. Questionable calls at the end of the Tennessee game. And now this one at Florida. Um, I, I mean, it's been a heck of a run for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, they've they've certainly gotten just about every crucial call at the end of games. Um, I, mean, I think we can put it that way, certainly. Uh, whether you want to call it luck or not or, um, you know, uh, you some would argue they're lucky to that their coach is still with them, <laughs> you know, given what him being on some wiretaps and being tangled up in a pretty big scandal. Um, but certainly at the end of some games, uh, they've gotten kind of gotten every call. Uh, Vanderbilt, by the way, I was looking that up. They're on 17 in the league. They also lost to Oklahoma by 31 in the uh, challenge. So they've lost 18 straight games. That's impressive. Uh, Impressively yeah, they're bad. Not, they're not good. They are not good. Uh, they put up some fights, but they it looks like they are basically in blowout city now. <laughs> there we go. That's LSU. enough Vanderbilt talk. It's just this, it's staggering to me how bad they are. But LSU is is going to win the league. Uh, I mean. If Tennessee wins, they'll they'll technically share just like Auburn and Tennessee did a year ago, um, but uh, but LSU will get the one seed. But also, you know, speaking of Tennessee, back to back co SEC championships for Rick Barnes's team, a team that doesn't have any four. I don't think any four or five star recruits, uh, not any top one hundred recruits anywhere on the roster. Um, he's really he's really built something there. 
They still have to win at Auburn, which obviously will have a pretty good emotional factor in it, considering Bruce Pearl used to coach at Tennessee. So we'll, we'll keep keep track of all those things um, this weekend. One quick note I did want to ask you about, Kyle, and we were so distracted by the rolling garbage cans that I didn't get to it We were in, when we were in the pavilion last night. Did you see the Landshark mascot for Ole Miss? I briefly noticed it, but it's it's pretty bizarre. Yes, okay, that's that was my question. Like, what were your thoughts? Because that thing kind of scared the bejesus out of me. It's like a horror film. It's like um something a terrible mutant gone wrong, and it. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised there's not like a land shark NATO movie work in the works for sci-fi because it was creepy. Yeah, I it's it's a it's a really odd mascot. It's a really strange uh, sort of alternate choice. For a mascot, but I guess it beats like things that are racist. <laughs> yeah, what they wanted to get so. away from. It's obvious. I mean, but of all the things that they could have picked, I, I, it's just it's it's not that necessarily the shark that is weird. It's the mascot of the shark because it is just a person, and they have like these silver sleeves that cover their arms, and they wear a basketball uniform with high socks, so you don't see any of their skin. And then they wear a shark mask, like a semi-real, like a, I don't know like how to describe it. It's just a, but like a shark head on their head. And it's just completely disturbing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's odd. I, I, I like, uh, it's a football, you know, it comes from, you know, their, their football program. Uh, but, but I don't know. I mean, like, if it, yeah. I'm trying to think of like if you were if you were Kentucky and you were coming up with like a secondary mascot because Wildcats was somehow offensive to people. Uh, like, what a rant! Like, what random thing would you come up? with? It's just very strange that they that that's what didn't they didn't they try like a bear or something at one point? Yes. Didn't Ole Miss they tried a bear right and that didn't catch? Uh, I don't know. Land shark's weird, and the yeah the mascot they roll out the basketball games very weird. It's also weird that like they I think they showed a couple football players in the crowd and they did the little fin on their forehead. Yeah, land shark. Yeah, definitely. pretty weird too. Without a doubt. Um. Okay. Here's my next question, to you Kyle, and this will wrap up this segment. Thoughts, real quick, briefly. I know that's tough for you sometimes. Dante Allen won Mister Basketball in Kentucky, and that got some people fired up. Yeah i I don't think he should have won it. Um, but I don't think people should like go crazy trashing the kid either. <laughs> it's kind of a bad look. Um, I think he was the best player in the state. I, I mean, he was on his way to winning it. I think if he was healthy, he would have won it. I mean, he was averaging what, like 43 and 15, uh, through 13 games before he tore his ACL. Um, you know, he was on track to probably finish second, I think behind what King Kelly Coleman. Is that the guy that? Owns the record. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think he was going to catch him, but he was on pace to, I think, finish in the top two or three in the history of the state in scoring. Scored like 3,500 career points as it was. Uh, I mean, he was scored like 50 points every other night when the season started. He was probably going to win Mr. Basketball. But that doesn't mean just, just because you could have projected that he probably would have if he stayed healthy. I, there's not a lot of leagues where if you played that small percentage of the season, basically a third of the season, 
where you'd be given one of the, you'd be even really considered for one of the season awards. Yeah. Uh, like MVP or whatever. I mean, if, if an NFL quarterback was, you know, averaging 400 yards and five touchdowns passing for three and a half games and then tore his ACL, they wouldn't give him MVP, you know, same in the NBA, same in college basketball. So I like, I, I get why people, uh, you know, would have, take issue with him winning because I don't think I don't think he should. I mean, the simplest thing was he they could have just made him not eligible for the vote. You know, have a have a minimum number of games, and then you don't have to like pick over a guy that you think is probably the best player but didn't play enough games. You just don't make him eligible for the vote. But he was, and he won, and I think he's the best player in the state. And so, you know, I have like a huge bone to pick with it, and I certainly wouldn't uh, rip the kid and no. Of course Nat- not. Natural. It's it's sad that that even kind of has to be said, Kyle. Honestly, but yeah, that I mean, I, I saw some stuff along those lines. Some some people quote tweeting other other fools uh, that were well, and like some of that too is like UK hate because a lot of the that, things yeah. you see, are like oh, he's a UK commit, and so that's the reason he got you know he got this. Or they they had to make sure the Kentucky, the guy that signed with Kentucky wins the award. Yada yada yada. Um, so I think some of the backlash is not really at the kid, but at the, you know, big, bad Kentucky for people that aren't fans. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I guess I sort of get that too. There was obviously David Johnson who's signed with Louisville, who was an option and played a full season and was very, very good. So there's probably some rivalrying going on in the, yeah. in the anger over that and uh, Kiki and, Tandy. Well, and there's like, there's like a good option as well. Yeah. And then Tandy's thing, who's going to Xavier with Walton Verona's own Deontay miles, who's, whose Bearcat team just advanced to the elite eight. Uh, Walton Verona, obviously also, I mean, you know, Walton Verona, the one thing they're known for is producing studs. Deontay That's right. Miles, Cole Mosier, Curtis Birch. Um, <laughs> but the you know the thing with that also kind of factors into this that a lot of people kind of say are geography biases. Like Western Kentucky always gets complained, Eastern Kentucky complains as well along those lines, and it's a population based thing. Obviously, there's more people in Lexington and Louisville, and sometimes I I can understand some frustrations along those lines. So, um, coming up next, we are gonna talk a little bit football. There was a couple news nuggets, and then one kind of thing that I wanna. Uh, that just kind of irked me today. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about La Rosa's Pizza. I've been telling you about them for a while. They're coming to Lexington in May, right beside the Skyline Chili on Richmond Road. And by the way, go check out Skyline Chili's taco salad on Taco Week. Um, but La Rosa's is, you know, it's a Cincinnati thing like Skyline. Buddy La Rosa's got all the family recipes. It's not just pizza. They got pasta. They got salads. They got all kind of things. And everything on their menu is available for pickup, delivery, or dine-in. Their dining room is awesome. Um, you should go check out your the closest Larosas to you if you're up in northern Kentucky. If you're in if you're in central Kentucky, there's one right in Dry Ridge, which isn't too far up the road. Check out more about them at Larosas.com. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So CJ Conrad, it was reported today that he will not participate in Pro Day because of that heart condition that was caught at the NFL Combine. That's obviously kind of a, a sad story, but better safe than sorry when you're in that kind of situation. Um, and so uh, you know, just passing that along, and hopefully Conrad can get everything sorted out and uh, continue an NFL career um, about that. He and Josh Allen are currently on a signing tour across the state at a couple events. And Kyle, are you ready for this? This is kind of like a humble brag moment, like a celebrity signing. 
I went and I dropped my rental car off after um, my trip to Oxford. And I got it from the airport because that was, it's kind of like the closest one to me, right? And um, Josh Allen was there in the airport. He was coming in from a flight and his fiance was picking him up. And I like walked in a door with him. I'm like, hey, Josh. And I shook his hand, Curtis. And he's like, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I have talked to you a really a lot. So it makes sense that you would know who I am. But I kind of forget sometimes that, that those guys know who I am and top five NFL draft picks know, knows who I am, Kyle. So I got that going for me. You are a pretty big deal. I mean, we've been uh, we've been getting pretty positive reviews on the uh, on the old iTunes. I mean, somebody said that our show was a bucket. I'll read that right pretty, now. Since you pretty amazing. Since you brought um, it up, T. S. Smith O nine one four one said this show is a bucket with not one, not two, but three exclamation points. And they said every day this show informs me of all the trending Kentucky topics and provides great insight. This show has quickly become something I listen to every day and even sometimes listen twice. Well, that's a heck of a compliment. We appreciate that. It's a great compliment. We always want to be a bucket, and we're always happy when people uh, listen twice. I don't know. I, I don't think I could listen to us twice, but uh, well, you, good on the rest of you. You don't listen to me once, so. It's true. I just wait for you to stop talking, and I start back up again. <laughs> it's, you, for as, as much as we are critical of John Calipari, you are kind of similar, uh, Kyle. Uh, I kid. Yes, I'm just waiting to say what I want to say all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I can admit it. I can, I'm at least uh, self-aware. you got to be self-aware. That's a key. That is a very big key right there. Um, the, the final thing I want to talk about before we get to the, the second part of that draft conversation I had with the guys from Locked On NFL Draft is, and I don't think you've seen it, Kyle, because I didn't see it till this evening, but your boys at Dog Nation went in on Eddie Grand. Yeah, I watched it. Okay, you so, did. I think you said it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's weird because like I like the guy who hosts the podcast, uh, Brandon Adams, and I did some stuff with him when I was working at SEC Country. But yeah, it was. I mean, look, they're they're trying to be, uh, you know, a show for Georgia fans, and they're. Uh, trying to hear what George say, what Georgia fans want to hear, and uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was a bit much, a bit much. And the gist yeah, of Brandon. it, the gist of it is, it's basically, and I mean, this goes back to when Eddie Grand, the the initial rumors that he might go to Georgia. There was some back and forth on was he ever um, offered the offensive coordinator position or was it a, a position coach position? And some people in Lexington reported that he was offered the offensive coordinator position. And the people in Georgia uh, said he was offered a position coach job. It got it obviously got brought up this week because Eddie Grant spoke to the media for the first time and basically said, yeah, he was offered the OC job and he turned it down. And he the, the weird part about the, the whole thing to me in this segment was the fact that he said Georgia fans don't care about Eddie Grand, but he spent over 10 minutes talking about Eddie Grand, and I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, it was weird at the end where he it went into this odd kind of, well, you, this, you're going to regret saying these words because Kirby Smart's going to run the score up on you. Yeah, it was it, it was a declaration that Georgia was going to put a beat down on Kentucky, and they might. I mean, they've done it many times. I don't think it, 
has anything to do with Eddie Grant. I mean, Eddie, Georgia and Alabama have been the preeminent two programs, you know, the last few years. And, uh, you know, they recruit at a whole other level than the rest of the league. And they're usually going to beat everybody. I mean, you know, if even if Kentucky loses big this year to Georgia, uh, that won't be anything to do with Eddie Grant. Like, yes. I, I doubt Kirby Smart is thinking about it. Like, this whole thing's kind of silly one way or the other. You know, I mean, Eddie Grant came out. I, I don't take Eddie Grant for like a liar, you know, a really dishonest guy. And I don't, I, I just don't see the point of saying you got to offer a job if you didn't, because you've already gotten your raise and all the, you know, things that are going to come with it. I mean, you could have certainly said, you know, when the, when the question was like, how serious did it get? Like he could have just said pretty serious, but he didn't. He said serious to the point that they offered me the job. So I, I'm not inclined when he goes on the record yes. to disbelieve him when this Georgia reporting is, you know, sources, according to sources. Mm-hmm. You know, if Kirby Smart's willing to come out and say, no, we didn't offer him the job publicly, then, you know, I, you know, I'll at least uh, cast it back into doubt. But nobody's coming out. Nobody's willing on that side to say on the record, no, he wasn't offered the job. And Eddie was willing to put his name to the fact that, yeah, they did. And. I really don't care. I mean, it matters zero to me. Um, I do think it's silly to paint like, uh, like there's pandering going on with this podcast. And it is one like, Oh, it was a big kind of a dumping on Kentucky too. Like he, he's reading the quote from Eddie about how he, he wants, you know, they're building something special and he wants to be a part of it. And he's like, I don't know what that would be that he wants to be a part of. It's like, well, I mean, they just had, like, their best year season in 40 years, and, like, Eddie Graham helped build that. And they're going to have a huge NFL draft, and they won 10 games. They beat Penn State in a New Year's Bowl game, and it was a an historic season. And you could argue that right now Kentucky's built itself into being the second or third best program in the SEC East, which is not nothing. Um, and so, you know, that was a little – I thought that was a little cheap shot. And then yes. just, like – the idea that like they're playing to the reason that they're so vehement against this is like Georgia can't lower itself to, to accept the fact that it had to, one that it would have to go after Kentucky's offensive coordinator and two that he might turn them down because they're Georgia and who would ever turn them down. I think that's a little, that's a little much. It's a little, it's a lot much. Down your nose and, and, um, and, to, to- and the whole podcast, the, you know, approach to it is, is a little pandery. And I hate to say that because I, I really like I said I like Brandon Adams, but but they they're playing their part. Like they have a, they've decided what they want to be and well, they want to be a thing for the fans, and they're playing to the to the fans. So pandering is a great word, and that's why you're the writer uh, because that's exactly what it is, and it just seems so fake. And I just hate that's the one thing that gets me more annoyed than anything when you're when people talk sports. It isn't like if I disagree with you on something. You and I disagree all the time, Kyle, and I don't really get super heated about any of those topics. It's when someone is just, it's almost like they're saying something and they don't 100% believe it. And you can kind of tell that I've, that he might be doing that uh, because he's stretching it so far. And when you pointed out the fact that it seemed like he was completely lost when Eddie Grant said they're building something at Kentucky, to completely like brush that aside and not see what Kentucky did in football this season... And no, they're not to the level of Georgia at this point. No one's making that argument. 
But to kind of act like that was a laughing, like a laughing comment, something you can ridicule, just proves that it wasn't an actual conversation. They're just trying to like pat each other on the back and be like, oh, ho, ho, oh, look at this. Oh, we're, we're big Georgia fans. If he had one more Georgia uh, sticker on his laptop, it would be more sticker than laptop. I just think it's, it's a dumb, dumb segment. And we try not to do that here. And that's all I got to say about that. So, yep. <laughs> we didn't get to jelly. We might do that next. Let us know. Hit us up at Locked On UK on Twitter. Let us know if you like grape jelly or strawberry jelly. Um, coming up next, we are going to be talking some NFL draft. Quick note: it was recorded before the NFL Combine, so there might be some references to some future stuff about the Combine. Um, but still, great stuff uh, from the guys on the NFL, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. You are locked on Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now joined by John Ledyard of Locked On NFL Draft, and you also do some great work on your guys' website. Um, Just kind of quickly, sell your guys' podcast. Obviously, we got the NFL Draft coming up. Tons of Kentucky guys are going to be in it. Uh, Where can people hear you guys and uh, read your work? Yeah, over at thedraftnetwork.com is where you can read a lot of our written work, and uh, Trevor Sekema and I co-host the Locked On NFL Draft podcast five days a week, and you can find that at all. All the spots you listen to this podcast as well. Awesome. So let's just jump right in with some of these these Kentucky guys. Let's talk about safeties, Mike Edwards and Darius West. Um, what do you think about those guys overall? I think the combine for West can be very beneficial because he could potentially test really well, I think. Yeah, that's going to be the big thing for him. I think everything I've read and kind of talked to with people about West is, is he a good enough athlete to play uh, deep in the NFL? You know, because I think there's a lot – there's that's the that's the big mark. I think he's got to prove to teams that he's a good enough athlete because right now I've seen a lot of people say I think he helps you most maybe around the line of scrimmage. He made a couple of plays in coverage that were decent this past season, but he's never been like a super productive guy there. Um, he obviously had a ton of injury concerns before the last two years, uh, so the medicals will be low-key big for him as well. I kind of see him as a guy without a ton of versatility. Um, I like his play demeanor, but he'll also miss some tackles, um, has some stiffness in space. You know what is his best role at the NFL because he can't play single high. He doesn't really play in man coverage that often. I don't know that he's going to play in man coverage that often in the NFL. Um, and I think that uh, he's super physical, but does he have the instincts to survive around the box? So um, I haven't finished his evaluation yet either, but I, I, I did like this year of tape kind of made him a, a prospect that was on my radar where I would not have considered him that coming into the season. So I did think there was some improvement this year, but you're right, the combine will be big for him. Mike Edwards, to me, is hands down the best player in the secondary, and he gets absolutely no love at all. feels like the other three guys have honestly gotten more buzz than than Mike Edwards, um, who was actually pretty good in Mobile as well, and nobody talked about him. But I know he's not big, but he is instinctive. He can play in the slot, absolutely. That might be his full-time spot in the NFL. Uh, But he can play deep, too. I mean, it's not like you want him single high every play, but... He makes plays on the ball in coverage. Um, he is really aggressive and physical, run support, communication. I love his demeanor. Uh, he can blitz. Uh, there's just a lot of things you can do with Mike Edwards, you know, as a, as a rotational defensive back or somebody that plays as your third safety or potentially even starts for you, and you can move him around. You know, I just think he helps your football team in a lot of ways, and he's going to be great on special teams. So he's probably, you know, at best, maybe a late third-round pick, probably a, a fourth-round pick. I have him in that late third, early fourth round range, depending on how he tests. But I really like him. I do. I think he's a good football player. I think he can help a team. And he's the kind of guy, you, he seems like anyway, from interacting with him and hearing Kentucky people talk about him, he's the kind of guy you want in the locker room as well. 
Um, when I talked to him in Mobile, it was just it was a terrific interview and really insightful. And you could tell that he loves the game and uh, he's passionate about it. And so if you're asking me who's going to be the best one in the NFL, I think it's Mike Edwards. Yeah, I was I was kind of the same mindset when you're talking about Edwards. I mean, he's he's been a guy who's done it, you know, for consistently through his whole career at Kentucky. I mean, he was asked to play as a freshman and stepped up into that role uh, pretty easily. And I, he to your to your point about kind of the other guys maybe look the part more, and I guess that's why he might get penalized for it because you know he's not as fast as Darius West and Lonnie Johnson and Derek Beatty. Maybe that was his problem. I mean, he's in the secondary there with uh, Lonnie Johnson. Derek Beatty and Chris Westry, who are all like giant corners, so maybe people think he's shorter than he actually is. Yeah, I think and he he measured it okay. I think I forget what his numbers were in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl, but I thought you know size wise he was better than I expect him to be, and I think that that's going to be big for teams yeah. because the versatility is huge, you know, and they want to know if he could play around line of scrimmage, and I think he can. I yeah, I think size is kind of overbuilt around line of scrimmage. He has instincts and explosiveness that are going to help him. You know, I mean, you're not going to play him at linebacker per se, but he can help your defense off the edge. You can do some things with him. He has great feel, snap anticipation. I, I've kind of compared him in some ways to Mike Hilton uh, for Pittsburgh. Uh, they're in their nickel corner. Um, he's a bigger version of Hilton, I think, but there's a lot of similarities there, I think, between the two of them. Not great athletes or anything, but instinctive and can help you, can do a bunch of different things for your team. And so, um, I, yeah, I like Edwards. I think he's going to be the best of the group. On the offensive side of the ball, the two guys that have potential to be drafted are Benny Snell and C.J. Conrad. We'll start with Snell. Um, what do you see his role in the NFL? Day three, power back, you know, grinder type of guy. There's some teams that will really like him uh, as an inside runner. I just don't see explosiveness to be a great outside runner or receiving threat. He's okay in pass protection, so that'll help. Um, love his mentality and the motion he plays with. Uh, I think teams will like that part of his game. Um, but I just, you know, in today's NFL, you have to be a little more versatile. You have to be a little more explosive, a little more athletic. And he can have, he, you know, you get him right behind the right offensive line, he can be a nice element to your backfield. There's no question about that. Like, he can play in the league. I don't think anybody doubts that per se, but he is just a very kind of one-dimensional football player, um, and I think in the NFL, at that position, you're really gravitating towards way more diverse players. So, I uh, like him, don't love him, and I think that's kind of a generic response, but that's yeah. how a lot of people are going to feel about Benny Snell. And when you when you have that sentiment expressed by you at arguably the least important position of any of the 11 spots in the NFL, you're probably going to end up sliding a little bit in the draft. I would be surprised if he's a top 100 pick, but the combine and the drills at his pro day maybe catches the ball better than people think. And who knows? I mean, no one thought Rashad Penny was going round one, and I felt, you know, I feel a pretty. I feel maybe a little bit better about Penny than Snell, but not much in the NFL. So, I, you know, who knows? It just takes one team to do something crazy in that yeah. position. But I don't see him being a high pick. Yeah, and that's the the one thing that, you know, his decision, obviously he came out as a junior, which was probably the right one because there wasn't a ton of things he can, could improve on considering exactly. he yeah. was already the all-time leading rusher in Kentucky history. Right, um, right. That's the thing everybody wants to say, you know, like, oh, why do you come out? But what, do you, what else are you going to do running back? Stay around and get hurt like yeah. Bryce Love? You know what I mean? Like, it's just the reality is Benny Snell is who he is. It's not really going to change if he goes back and dominates college for another year. You know, this is, this is probably about as good as his stock's going to get. So he made the right call. I just don't know if the ceiling's ever going to be super high for him in the league. Last one. Are you surprised that Jordan Jones got an invite to the Combine? Because I think that kind of, I mean, not necessarily shocked people, but from the Kentucky side of it, covering it down here, we thought it would have been more likely that Bunchy Stallings would have got an invite before Jordan Jones. 
I kind of like Jordan Jones, uh, so maybe I'm you know, more lenient to his side of things than that. But, I, I mean, I, I saw a bunch of Stallings down at the Shrine game, um, and he was all right. Like, he was one of the better linemen there. I mean, it was a pretty brutal group, but um, he did some things well. You know, I think he loves his mentality, and he gets after it. And I think he's got a real shot to get drafted in rounds five through seven as well. Um, you know, there's obvious limitations there, but he's the kind of guy you definitely want to fill out your roster because he can do things at a well enough level to, to be capable if somebody goes down in your starting lineup. So I was surprised Bunch didn't get invited. Um, I wasn't su- too super surprised Jordan Jones got invited just because the class is so bad at linebacker. So there, if, you're, if you're trying to bring a number comparable to what you've brought in the past, then it'd be, um, you, you know, he probably makes the list just because there aren't any good ones. You know I mean? Yeah. I think there were five, the whole 339 players or whatever invited to the combine, I think there were like uh, nine that I'd never heard of, eight or nine that I'd never heard of before, uh, and that I hadn't seen in like five of those nine were linebackers okay. because they were just trying to pull guys out of anywhere to bring them to the to the event. So I think that's part of the reason for Jones. But yeah, nobody expects him to test really great, right? It's definitely you know a fringe draftable type of player. Um, he played hard when I watched him this you know this past season. I haven't really studied 2018 with him, and uh, nor did I particularly hone in on him when I watched them live because there were so many other guys mm-hmm. to watch. But, uh, you know, I think he plays hard, and um, I know that he's been kind of a consistent presence for them, and special teams are obviously going to be his path to the NFL, and it seems like he has the skill set to be able to do that. But, yeah, testing's huge for all those guys, you know, that are fringe draftable, and that late range of the draft teams just want guys with traits to develop. And, you know, if he doesn't have that, he's, he's in a similar situation to C.J. Conrad. Okay, that makes a lot more sense about the the linebacker thing. That that kind of answers the question of how he got there. Uh, because I mean, I don't even know if you're aware. You know, he missed the bowl game, and there were like concerned about him kind of off the field. Nothing that ever became a huge issue, but missing games because of suspensions and other kind of weird things that he did. I mean, there was an incident with a fan at Southern Miss when they went down there, yeah. but nothing that you know would kick him off the team. But it, you know, he was always just always on the fringe, and then he became a fringe into the combine. And I, I would, I kind of, in my mind, I was wondering, do they just want to talk to this guy to see if he if he could play? And I maybe that would factor yeah. in, but the lack of linebackers makes a lot of sense as well. So, uh, John, thanks so much for all your time, man, and let everybody know where they can read your stuff and listen to the, your guys' podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, you can read my stuff at thedraftnetwork.com and follow the podcast Locked On NFL Draft and. You can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-R-D, NFL Draft. Please rate, reviews, and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. And then also share it with somebody else who would enjoy it. Hopefully you guys get something out of this every day. Uh, thanks again to all the comments. We'll be continuing to read them as they come in. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. The show is at Locked On UK. Find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. Follow Kyle at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH and read all his work on The Athletic. We'll talk to you guys soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. I mean, Vanderbilt is 0-17. Excuse me, I was yawning there. We're both pretty tired after our trip to uh, Oxford. Uh, I keep yawning. It's brutal. Um, I think if he was healthy, he would have won it. And Kyle has vanished.
No, I'm here. I oh. was. I thought you. Were, I thought you had more to say. No, that's all. I've read. <laughs> that, that's that's the that's the end. It of was the, a good comment. 